When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. All right, welcome back into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar here as always. And joining me now, my friend and former NFL wide receiver, always love to bring him on to break down wide receiver play, Donald Jones. What's up, Donald? Not much, man. How you doing? Oh, I am doing well. You know, we're in the dog days of training camp here, and I I needed to catch up with you and talk wide receiver play because one of the biggest focuses, Donald, in training camp for the Vikings has been every wide receiver not named Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. And will anybody rise up to the challenge? So far, it's only really been Chad Beebe who has emerged. Uh, You might know the name. It's it's Don Beebe's son. Um, So... You were an undrafted wide receiver. You found your way into the NFL to stick on the Buffalo Bills. You make the team. You become the the number two wide receiver with Stevie Johnson. And I'm curious, Donald, I want to know how you made it, how you became the undrafted guy who comes to camp and and rose up to be the number two wide receiver. Because I've covered Adam Thielen here, and I've seen him do it, but there are so many undrafted wide receivers who do not become Donald Jones or Adam Thielen. So what is the difference, and how did you do it? Um, You know, the biggest thing is when you come in undrafted, you have to understand your role on the team when you first get there. You're not going to get the rest that everybody else is going to get. So the first thing is you got to make the most of every opportunity and every rep that you get. Um, And then the special teams is huge. So you're not going to have the young guys. And really, if you're undrafted, it's because you probably have a lot that you need to work on. And the young guys, in terms of route running, catching the ball, it might not be as polished as everybody else or everybody expects them to be. So their thing is they have to make sure that they're good on special teams. Mm-hmm. Now, um, when it comes to offense, for me, the hardest thing when I got to the NFL was the cornerback actually run the route switch. <laughs> yeah. so they're running a comeback. If I was running a comeback, you know, the cornerback would actually – be right there on me every time. Even if I felt like I beat them and I got them, their recovery ability is so great that they're right there with you and you have to make a contested catch every time. And that's hard for young receivers. I don't care if you're a first-round guy or if you're undrafted. Sometimes that can be really hard, especially if you're not a guy coming from the SEC or one of the big 
conferences, you know, but even when you're coming from those big conferences, you have a lot of times where you're wide open and you're not catching contested passes every single time the ball is thrown to you. So I think that's the biggest adjustment. And then just getting used to having quarterbacks throw the ball before you even come out of your break. Yeah. So those are all the things that you have to work on. But the biggest way that you make the team, especially if you're a young guy, whether you're drafted or not, unless you're a first-round pick, the rest of the, even first-round picks on a lot of teams are playing. So, you know, so you have to just understand this is going to be my role. Mm-hmm. I have to do well with such team. That's how I'm going to make this team. And then I can I can use that time while I'm playing special teams to polish my skills at the wide receiver position. We all know that in football, there's a 100 chance that, somebody, that you're going to get hurt. Everybody. There's a 100 chance every year that you're going to get hurt playing football. It just comes down to how big of an injury that is. You're going to get your opportunity at some point. You just got to make the most of it when that person goes down. It sucks that we say it like that, but it's just the reality of playing football in the NFL. So, Donald, tell me about the other parts of it, the intellectual parts of it, the um, learning how to line up correctly, learning how to run to the right route depths and things like that, because those are a couple things that Mike Zimmer brought up of his frustrations with the young receivers that they brought in here, the two draft picks, Dylan Mitchell and B.C. Johnson, a couple other guys who are competing for jobs that nobody has really stood out, and part of the reason is they can't really get the offense down. How tough is it to go in there and try to learn that offense and go out on the practice field, especially when you have no experience before, and and, and learn everything that they're asking you to learn? Well, it, it, it's really hard because once again, it comes down to everything to fail is on time if you have a good quarterback and you have a good offensive line. <laughs> but everything is on time, so you have quarterbacks who are throwing the ball to a spot. Whereas in college, they might be throwing the ball to you as a person, you know. But once you get to the league, it's like, look, if it's a comeback at 15 yards down to 12 yards, run your route at 15 yards down to 12 yards. Don't run it at 16. Mm-hmm. Don't run it at 13 because you're throwing the quarterback off, and that quarterback is throwing it to that spot. He's not throwing it to anything else but that spot. So you have to be there when you're supposed to be there. And it's hard for young guys. You know, it really is because everything is moving so fast. It seems like it's moving like 10 times faster than when you play college football. And that's only because you're still trying to learn the offense. You're still trying to learn the NFL. And you're still trying to beat these defenders that are running routes with you. So you end up shorting routes. So you end up being too long on your routes. You know, it's just hard in the beginning. And those guys will get it. It's something that coaches understand. I mean, the head coaches. He's going to talk about it. Of course, he's frustrated, but it's the reality of playing wide receiver in the NFL when you first come in. It's just not that easy to to grasp a hold of the offense and get everything and run your route as precise as the veterans are going to run right in the beginning. Talking with former NFL wide receiver Donald Jones here about the Vikings situation with uh, young wide receivers. Now, the Vikings are a few days away here from their first preseason game. I would imagine, Donald, when you're the guy that's trying to make the team, the first preseason game comes around, that it's kind of 
um, telling you where you stand for if you get in the game, if you don't get in the game. And then it's got to be nerve-wracking, too, because you feel like your entire life of working in football is kind of resting on these preseason games. So the reporters are kind of snoozing in the press box, and the fans are at home just not really caring about the game. But for you on the field, I would imagine it's got to be a crazy feeling. Yeah, I mean, for you on the field, in your first preseason game, um, it's hard because, first of all, when you walk into the stadium, for me, I was a guy coming from Youngstown State. So when I walked into the stadium, it was like, wow, this is actually an NFL stadium. I'm here. I'm playing. Hmm. Um, so that was the hard part for me. The So I had to get over that whole starstruck feeling first. And then I had, you know, <laughs> the fact that, okay, now it's game time. I have to get my head back in the game so that I can go out here and make plays. Now, me, I was a guy who I knew I was going to play, um, but I, my issue was I played way too much. And so I was dead tired in the <laughs> game. And when you and when you get that tired in the game, because it seems like, man, I'm not going to play that much. But the fact of the matter is we all know the vets don't play in the preseason that much, right, especially right. in the first preseason game. So you are going to play a lot of that game. The problem is you're probably going to play more than you even think you're going to play. Mm-hmm. You're going to play a lot of special teams, and then you're going to have to get on an offense. So you you might be on the punt team. you got to run down and tackle somebody, and then you got to go line up that corner and play cornerback position when you just, you know, ran out on the punt team. And then you might be on the punt return team after <laughs> you get a three and out. You know, and it's, it's so hard for, for young guys. you got to be really in shape to play in the preseason because the veterans I remember I remember uh, Lee Evans and Roscoe Parrish going into the game everything was about just looking pretty on the sideline <laughs> in my first preseason game it was yeah. like man we just gonna look good on the sideline because they knew they weren't gonna play right they knew in that game it was yo we just gonna chill today you know um, and so us young guys we were all nervous and going to the bathroom before the game all types of stuff you know <clears throat> but those young guys, they're going to play a lot. And as fans, unless you're a true fan, like somebody like you who you work in the media, of course you're watching the game mm-hmm. all the way through because you need to watch those young guys and know who might have a chance to make the team. But yep. the average fan, they'll turn the TV once they get into the second, third, or fourth quarter. They're going to turn to something else, maybe one of their, their favorite shows. But you as a player on the field, it's so important to be in shape, drink fluids, eat because you're going to play a lot and you're going to have your opportunity. It all it, it all comes back to you're going to get your opportunity. Do you make plays or not? Everybody gets an opportunity. Do you make plays or not? I don't care if it's on punt team. If you get an opportunity to block a punt, block a punt. That might be how you make the team. Mm-hmm. You know, That might be how you catch the coach's eye. It's, it's, it's just really going out there and making the most of the opportunity. Yeah, there's always the um, famous story of Terrell Davis who came in last on the depth chart, made a play on special teams, got his chance, and then became one of the best running backs of all time. So it, it definitely happens. Um, there's, there's something else I want to talk about beyond just the young wide receivers with you, Donald, which is a comment that uh, Adam Thielen made to me yesterday out at uh, the TCO Performance Center, which is uh, he was talking about how even as one of the best wide receivers in the entire NFL, he's 
still always working on the routes that he feels like he's not as strong with, that he's not exactly adding new routes to his route tree, but taking ones that maybe he feels like he needs a little bit sharpening and still working on them, which kind of amazes me, Donald, because I think he could get open on, on any level, you know, intermediate, short, deep routes. And, and he's, I, I think, one of the receivers that's the most open in the entire NFL consistently, mm-hmm. and yet he's still sharpening his routes. Um, as you went along in your career, was that how it was for you when, when you took this time during the preseason and training camp when you were an established player? Yeah, I mean, once any anybody, this is not just football, basketball, or baseball. It's anything in life, you know. It's like, yeah, I might be here and I might be established, but there's always going to be something that you're weak at. You have a weak point somewhere, and you need to always work on that weak point and get strong because that might be what takes you over the top to get you to the next level in your job or even if it's just football that which we're talking about right now as a veteran wide receiver he knows his he knows his game he knows his body he can tell okay on this comeback i might not be stepping the right way when i come back downhill or i might not come back downhill enough or whatever the case may be i might not use my body enough when I'm trying to get open. There's always something that you can get better on. And the savvy veteran wide receivers, that's how they get to play a long time in that league. Obviously you gotta stay healthy, but you always have to be working on a way to get better at your game. Um that's one of the reasons why I respected Larry Fitzgerald. I remember we went and worked out with Larry Fitzgerald out in Arizona for about a week. And just to watch his work ethic and how he worked every single day on his route, being precise. And to now watch this game evolve into what it is now is more of a blocking wide receiver, you know, and things like that. You have to understand your weak points and get better at them every single day. Adam Thielen, like you said, he's one of the best in the game. He was on my fantasy team last year, got me a lot of points until until later in the season. Yeah, fell off. yeah. You know, I don't know what was going on there. I'll take it up been, with him. Um, <laughs> yeah, talk to him about that. Um, but he understands his, his the weak points of his game. He might know, okay. I'm not the fastest guy on the field. Or maybe I am the fastest guy on the field. But maybe I can use my body more to get open. Maybe I can lean on DBs more. Maybe I need to be a little more shifty at the top of my route. Maybe my eyes are not in the right place. Whatever the case may be, he's trying to work on that little thing that might take him over the top. Um, And so that, you know, he can be considered. Maybe in his mind, he's not. he doesn't consider himself one of the best receivers in the game. You know, I mean, there's always ways that you got to psych yourself out to go out here and play football every day and every year. Talking with uh, former NFL wide receiver Donald Jones here. Now, Donald, I, I want to know what the hardest route to run is. For you, what was it for you? I don't know this, that this would go for all wide receivers. I'm sure body shape considers it. But what was the one that you struggled to master? Um, so in the NFL, in college, you don't really run it that often you don't have a lot of college quarterbacks that have the arm strength to be able to throw to be able to throw this route um but the the 15 to 20 yard really the 20 yard comeback in the in the nfl is a huge route most teams run it you usually only see the x receivers like the number one receiver really run that route as a wide receiver in this league you need to be able to run that route and the hardest part is, by the time you're at 20 yards, you're probably at full speed. And being able to break down and come back out of your route downhill. And what you'll see with a lot of receivers, especially young receivers in the game, you see it in the NFL, you see it in college. A lot of times when 
a quarterback throws an interception on a comeback or even on a curl, it's because the receiver, when he came out of his route, he did not come back downhill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm talking about coming all the way back downhill. Don't just take one step. You keep coming. And that's something that's hard for young receivers to do at 20 yards because you have to understand how to position yourself to be able to come back down out of your route. You can't really run full speed and stop on a dime and come back downhill. So you right. have to be able to make the defender think they're going to do that. And that's what the hardest thing to do is. For me, that was the hardest route to learn, how to make myself look like I'm going fast when I'm really not going fast so that I can come back out of this route and come back downhill. Um, there was also just the fact that 20 yards just seems, it just seems so long. Yeah, right. And, and when you're running, you know that the quarterback doesn't have a lot of time to throw the ball. So you'll find yourself cutting it short at 17 yards, 18 yards, sometimes 15, 16 yards. You can't look at the lines while you're running. you got to look at the defender. And so that was one of the hardest things, just being able to gauge when I'm at 20 yards and be right at 20 yards, you know, and, and then be able to come back downhill and all of that stuff. So, you know, I think that's one of the hardest routes, probably the hardest route for for wide receivers in this game to learn. I think the second one, and it's not necessarily hard from a physical standpoint. There are only certain wide receivers that can run it, like an Adam Thielen, uh, like your Julian Edelman. It's really your slot receivers in the league. It's really those option routes in the middle because that's more of learning the defense and understanding what the defense is trying to do, understanding right. that, okay, if they're in a cover three, that outside linebacker, his job is to buzz out the flat. If they're in a cover two, that linebacker might not move that much. He might sit right there. So who am I working off of when I'm running this option route? You know, and so in the slot, that's what's hard. On the outside, for me, it was that that uh, 20 yard comeback. How, I guess, how close to the snap do you know, or is it after the snap that you know the coverage? Like, do you, do you see it right before the snap? Do they are they able to disguise it when you're in the slot? No, uh, in the least. In the NFL, man, they disguise routes. It, it's rare that you have teams. Some teams will sit in what they run. I remember playing the uh, – we played the Bears, and Lovey Smith was the coach. He was a big-time Tampa 2 guy. Right, Same right. thing, we played the uh, Colts, and they were a big-time Tampa 2 team. Cincinnati Bengals, the same thing. Big-time Tampa 2 team. So you knew what they were going to run. You knew what they were – most of the time, they were going to be in a Tampa 2. Now, when we would play the Rex Ryans of the world, when we would play other coaches – they really disguised and rotated those defenses every play, every snap. And so you you constantly trying to figure out what it is that they're doing because when you line up, they'll show like they're in cover two, and then all of a sudden they're in cover one, or they'll show like they're in cover two, and then they're in cover three, or they'll show like they're in cover two, and then all of a sudden they're in cover three on one side and cover one on the other side, you know, and, and you have guys blitzing and you're trying to figure out, am I hot right now? Am I not hot right now? You've got to be on the same page as the quarterback. You never really know what they're doing, and so you have to always – that's why you have to keep your eyes up when you're running routes because the defense is going to change mid-route, and you have to understand your rules in your head. I know, okay, if I'm running a hitch in my offense, if that corner sits, on me. If he doesn't drop back, my hitch is going to convert into a fade. Hmm. In another offense, it might not be like that. Yeah. You know? And so, if 
okay, right now he's showing the cover too, so I think he's going to sit on this. But then all of a sudden the ball snaps, and I go to run a fade, and the quarterback, the cornerback drops back into a cover three. I'm running the fade right into where the cornerback is going to be. He's right. dropping back right with me, you know. So those are some things that you know fans don't might not necessarily understand what's happening on the field. Young wide receivers are trying to figure all of that out while still just trying to learn the play. You know, it's it's, it's, it's a lot going through their minds right now, um, especially the young guys. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you just explained why it's so difficult for the young guys to get it right uh, when they just come in here. Uh, before I let you go, Donald, awesome stuff as always. Um, give me one wide receiver that every time he's on TV, you're going to watch, and you're going to watch as close as you can. Uh, man, there's a lot of those guys. I mean, I love to watch Antonio Brown, really because he's such a small guy, but he's always getting open, he's always making big plays. Um, I like to watch. I like to watch uh, Julio Jones, your DeAndre Hopkins of the world. It's hard to give you one. You know, really, it's going to be the one guy that's on my fantasy team. <laughs> the guys on my fantasy team. The last year, I was going to watch Thielen. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 that's the way the world now, man. Fantasy runs everything. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think those are the guys that I really want to see. And I think, to be honest with you, right now. Everybody's going to watch the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, the Cleveland yeah. Browns of all teams. Everybody's going to watch that team because you have a young quarterback who is a gunslinger mentality, and you have some receivers on the outside that can make plays on the ball. Uh, you know, they have a good offensive line. They have a good running game. That offense, they got a good tight end. That offense would be really something to watch, and I think those are the receivers that everybody's going to be watching this year it's gonna be fun to watch yeah well i love that you know i thought you'd say oh well this guy chops his feet coming out of his route it's so beautiful you're like no fantasy team that's why i'm watching it so um yeah i'm telling you fantasy fantasy uh runs everything now when you talk about route running specific route running who do i like to watch um you know who i like to watch i like to watch keenan allen out there yeah 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 always open. la now i'm still on san diego it's ridiculous um, yeah, I like to watch Keenan Allen, the way he runs routes. And I never really watched him until I would talk to Stevie. And Stevie's always like, hey, you're telling you, watch Keenan Allen. Yo, he's a monster. He's a mm-hmm. monster. So yeah. I started to watch him, and he was really good at running routes. I, I had a chance to see him in person run routes and just demolish the Bills. You know, they couldn't even stop him at all. And so it was, it was, it was fun to watch him. I think he's a real up-and-coming star. But at the same time, he's a guy that, people really sleep on yeah yeah and i I think i'm not sure why that is maybe it's just because you're training in the background sorry but i um maybe it's just because he's playing on the chargers and not the rams yep you know it seems like out in la rams they they kind of own la right now you know but you know once again it's hard because i love to watch robert woods i can name receivers all day Mm -hmm. i really can man um robert woods i love to watch his game as well he reminds me of a Stevie Johnson. But Keenan Allen, I would say, is a guy who I like to watch run routes and break down. And I always like to keep an eye on Robert Woods because he's he'll lay somebody out every game. He's going to block somebody every game. He's tough. So he th- there's a will. lot of them. Yeah. 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 He, he'll definitely lay somebody out. I think everybody likes to see – I don't know if he's a true receiver, but Tariq Hill, he's a black guy. I don't know what you would really call him. But regardless of his off-the-field stuff, when it comes to watching football, I just like to see him – your speed run past everybody 
And to watch Patrick Mahomes throw the ball down the field, it's fun to watch, too. Yep. Uh, thank goodness for social media. We could see all of Patrick Mahomes' no-look passes in uh, training camp. That's been kind of fun to follow the Chiefs' Twitter. <laughs> uh, Donald, uh, awesome stuff, as always. You could follow Donald Jones at Jones 19 on Twitter. He's an author, an occasional podcaster, a former sports talk host. Uh, you do it all, Donald. So always appreciate hey. uh, you coming on, man. I do it all, man. I'm actually sitting in a in a big rig right now. I own a trucking company. I have a, a few trucks, and I just took one of my trucks to the shop. Um, so I'm, I'm sitting in an 18 wheeler right now. There is nothing <laughs> nothing more football than driving a giant truck. Is I'm telling so. you, it's crazy. <laughs> 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 All right, follow Donald on Twitter at DA Jones19. We'll take a quick break. We will be. Join Phil Mackey, Derek Wetmore, Rami Maklov, Judd Zolgad, and former Minnesota twin Glenn Perkins for a special recording of the Scornor Twin Show Glenn Perkins on Baseball. That'll be Tuesday, August 6th, beginning at 5 p.m. for Modest Brewing Company in Minneapolis. All attendees will receive one complimentary beer courtesy of Modest Brewing Company with prize giveaways throughout the night. The event is free, but you must register to attend. Register right now over at scorenorth.com slash Glenn. All right, welcome back to Purple Daily. And in the studio now, we are lucky enough to have from The Athletic. Normally, you know him from covering basketball, but he is covering football at this moment. John Krasinski. John, are you okay? Like, did you did you hit your head and you think you're a football reporter now or what? I, I think I am concussed, yes. <laughs> so, something uh, is not computing here, but I'm going to try and uh, work my way through it and fake it till I make it. <laughs> okay, well, you used to be out here all the time with yeah. the Associated Press. Now, just when you want to write something better than the rest of us, <laughs> uh, you come out here. So, well, first of all, now... Um, we were talking earlier on the show about the expectations with this team and you having been around the Vikings for a long time and seen the development of this franchise to where they're at, John, one of the things that I keep coming back to with the high expectations and also potential ramifications is when the Wilfs have to decide ultimately after this year, what direction they want to go. One thing they should keep in mind is just how far this thing has come under Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman, but especially since Mike Zimmer came in 2014. And I think when they're evaluating him, it shouldn't just be on the W's and L's. It should also be on the fact that they're just a consistently relevant and good team now. I think it's a great point, especially when you look at in the context of this market. I mean, everyone knows I cover the Timberwolves. And you can take for granted competence, and that is sometimes really hard to do, uh, especially in the NFL where there's so much turnover per each year with rosters and, and, and the salary cap uh, restrictions and things like that. It just really becomes hard to be a team that year in and year out is good. And yes, I think everyone wants them to be great and wants them to win a Super Bowl and break through and the curse and all of those things. Uh, but this team is almost never really bad. Like even last year, with all of the disappointment that they had, what we've seen, especially from the Zimmer uh, era, is if you have a bad year, a good year's coming the next mm-hmm. year. And I do think that there is something to be appreciated there in terms of understanding sort of the consistent level of competence. And that's not always easy to do, not in the NFL, certainly not in the NBA. So, John, you and I haven't talked a ton of football, so I don't really know 
how you feel about Mike Zimmer as a head coach, like where you would put him, what you think um, in terms of whether he can get this thing back over the hump, back to the NFC Championship, or whether it's out of his hands, how he handled last year. What What is your overview on where the Vikings are with Mike Zimmer as their head coach? Well, I mean, I do think that um, – he's been here for a while now and he's established sort of a level of expectation that I think is good. And that's also going to eventually play against him if he doesn't take it up another notch with Mm -hmm. his team. But people do, I think kind of short change the NFC title game run. I mean, that that's hard to do. It's hard to get there. I think that in general, um, his players seem to enjoy playing for him and play hard for him. Um, he has done a good job of bringing in players who are not considered blue chippers right away and developing them into quality players. Sure, yeah. Uh, helping, especially defensively, guys raise their games to another level. That's what you want in a coach. You want to be able to develop talent and and cultivate it and. And, and keep the thing going. So, uh, I mean, the next threshold for him to cross is to when things are going poorly that you can calm the waters mm-hmm. and maybe not put gasoline on the fire. Right. I mean, I think, you know, the, the, the one big mark against him so far is his offensive coordinator situation. And, I mean, if you have a couple of offensive coordinators who leave midseason, that's not a good thing. Right. So... It seems like right now with Kubiak and Stefanski, there is a different kind of chemistry and feel, and I think that the chances of success and tranquility are higher there, um, and that's that's another thing that he has to figure out. Um, but overall, if you if you kind of evaluate body of work, his good seasons have been really good. Some of his bad seasons have been almost out of his control with Adrian Peterson, with Dalvin Cook, with with all of the injuries and the adversity that he's faced that way. And so um, I'm always of the mind where if you're looking at a coach's secu- job security, if you were to fire him, are you guaranteed to get a better coach? Mm-hmm. And I think that... If you fire Mike Zimmer and go with someone else, you better be ready and be sure that the guy that you have is going to be an upgrade, and that's going to be a hard thing to absolutely put your finger on. There really is something um, about having a coach that you know his floor is 7-9 and nine or 8-8. Eight and eight. Yeah, absolutely. Because we've seen many teams, and they'll get a quarterback injury or something, and they'll sink to 3-13, and 13, they'll sink to 4-12, and 12, or things just won't go the same way they did the year before. I think of Jack Del Rio in Oakland just a couple of years ago. <laughs> think about how different Oakland is from when they went 12-4 and four now with Gruden and Antonio Brown and everything that has changed there. But they go 12 and 4. They're at the top of the world. Everyone's predicting them for the Super Bowl the next year. And then they fall down to, to 4 and 12 or, or 5 and 11, whatever it was. And here's the Vikings when they don't live up to their expectation are a field goal away from being in the playoffs still. And, and that's not to excuse a lot of the things that happened last year. There were times where his defense was beat. There were times where he didn't handle situations correctly. But when you're evaluating your coach, to keep in mind, yeah, the worst we're going to do is be still in the mix. 
Now, I am curious your thoughts on the situation with Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski because I, I keep making the joke, but you know the, the fact that they won't tell us how he got hired or what he does here um, is just kind of typical NFL and, and funny to me. But what is your feel, having been around here for a long time, John, and seen Kevin Stefanski come from kind of the very bottom and work his way all the way up to offensive coordinator, but then they bring in Kubiak at the same time, so it's almost like bittersweet victory for Kevin Stefanski because they brought in somebody to kind of look over your shoulder. Um, do you think that this works for a full season, or is it, because the vibe here has been that the offense has been a lot better, for sure. Is it typical training camp, and once we get into the season, there can be some head mashing, or, or what is what is this going to look like? Well, I will say that there are many, 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 many coaches who, if they were in Kevin Stefanski's shoes right now, especially young coaches uh, who are given the ta- the title of offensive coordinator, and then, oh, by the way, we're going to bring in this Super Bowl winning guy and we're going to kind of tailor a lot of the offense to what he's been doing in the past and 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 stuff and and those guys the the young coaches would be either looking over their shoulders totally insecure um a little bit rattled by the situation from knowing Kevin as long as I have from trying to observe a little bit here in this camp and in mini camps and things so far I think he has the personality Mm-hmm. to make the, make it work. Um, he is not a guy who is going out searching credit and using these press conferences that we were talking about before as auditions for head coaching as jobs. As the previous OC did. Yes. And, and, and so I think there's just a security in who he is um, that will help him in this situation. And he also brings with him the confidence of weathering so many regime changes Mm -hmm. like how often do you see an assistant coach especially one who started as an office assistant for a head coach survive like three different head coaching changes and not only do that but work his way up the chain that tells you that there's like a, a hardiness inside of him that i think is a little bit unique and so um the real question is is when the offense hits some sort of lull. Yeah. When things are not going well there, who is the voice in the room that everyone is looking to? And, you know, because democracies are great, but in times of trial, it turns into a dictatorship really quickly. Yep. And so if there is confusion that way, you know, if Kirk Cousins is wondering, who am I listening to, do Kubiak mm-hmm. or Stefanski or da 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 then it can have the it can have potential for confusion and chaos. But I do think so far the early returns are these two have the right sort of mix of personality to be able to share this thing as best that they can. And you know, finally on this point, like Kevin damn near got the Cleveland Browns job. Like yeah. it was really close. And so I think he doesn't. I don't think he has to go into this feeling like he has something to prove necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that will help him as well. And there's no question that other teams who are looking for head coaches inevitably after the season, if the Vikings have a good offense, will look at him and say he turned around Kirk Cousins. If yes. they get 11 wins, he'll be the guy to finally get Kirk Cousins over the top. And to me, that's what this whole thing all rests on, is we could talk all about uh, Kubiak and Stefanski and Zimmer's personality and everything else, but if 
Kirk Cousins plays the same way he did last year, this is going to go the same way it did last year. It's just going to be different people. We know how Zimmer's going to react when things go down. And we know, I think, I think I know that Gary Kubiak's going to be the one that everyone looks at if they succeed. If they fail, it's going to be Kevin Stefanski because he's the younger, less proven guy. Now, I, I will say, John, the relationship between Stefanski and uh, Cousins is very interesting to me because you mentioned the personality. I think Filippo had you know head coach in mind. This is my offense. I'm the genius here, okay? And then Kirk Cousins is a different kind of dude to deal with than many other quarterbacks. He's not going to be like Nick Foles, I don't think, right. uh, especially after he just got that huge contract. And those personalities butted heads, I think – Kevin Stefanski's personality has a way better chance of mixing properly with Kirk than Filippo's did last year. Yeah, I think that Kevin is open to suggestion, Is wants to put his players in positions where they feel comfortable. Now, you don't want to cater to or kowtow to these guys and say, whatever you want, Kirk, yes, we'll run this, we'll do that. But I do think that there is a way of delivering a message and then finding compromises within the structure of their offense and what they want to do to make to give Kirk some things that he feels really comfortable with and also to do some things that they think are going to be effective. And I really do think as well that that both Kubiak and Stefanski and Rick Dennison looked at this offense from last year and said, okay, this didn't work. Now we have these players. We have to design something that fits better with their skill set mm-hmm. rather yep. than square peg and round hole and just making these guys fit into this genius concept that right. we think is going to light the world on fire that won a Super Bowl, blah, 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 blah. Um, so I just do think that there is going to be more discussion that there already has been sort of more give and take that way. And I think that that has uh, a chance for Kirk to feel like he is more a part of this the way a franchise quarterback should be. Yeah, for sure. Um, John, last thing to ask you about Kirk Cousins, um, and I, I appreciate your time, and you just you know turn on the football. I mean, you just yeah. flip from basketball season is kind of in a break here, and all right, let's well, be a football guy again. Um, uh, if I were to tell you the, the Vikings won 12 games and Kirk Cousins had a, a better year than last year, and you couldn't mention the supporting cast or the coaching staff. What what happened with Kirk for him to be better? Yeah, I think that the big thing um, that he will have to do, which I think is going to be a real challenge for him, is to put a little Case Keenum in his game mm-hmm. in terms of, hey, if he's covered, still throw the ball to yep. him. Yep. Uh, take chances. Throw people open. That's what the best quarterbacks do in this league, right, is they provide, even when their receivers appear to be blanketed, they put the ball in a spot where only that receiver can get it, and they're willing to do it. I think Kirk too often wants to just do the absolute right and play and safe play and say, yep. this is what I do. And so he's going to have to take chances with things sometimes and that's what we saw at the end of last year with the story I wrote on the last game where everyone's looking at Thielen and and Cousins and their interactions I looked more at what Stefan Diggs said to to Cousins during that thing he came up to him on the sideline while Kirk was sitting down and said trust me like just trust me Mm -hmm. and that's him saying look I know you think that I'm covered 
but I might not be. And it's okay to be a little bit reckless yep. sometimes. It's okay to be a little bit daring. And that's what's going to have to happen, I think, for Cousins to really take this thing to another level. Enough with the checkdowns, enough with playing it safe on third mm-hmm. and eight and throwing a five-yard out because that's the guy who's open. Go down the field and make mm-hmm. something happen. Yeah, I totally agree. And step one to that was admitting that he should have done it more often last year to Kyle Rudolph. And yeah. I totally agree with that. Case Keenum, that was probably his best asset. And uh, it, it's rare that it's okay to do that and you could get away with it. But with this group of weapons, I think you can on a regular basis. So. You don't want to be Jameis Winston and do it all the time. <laughs> right, you know, right. throw a ton of interceptions. Right. But, yeah, you have to walk that line. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you can change somebody's stripes when it comes to that, but at least he acknowledges that that was an issue. John Krasinski, awesome stuff. Glad to uh, have you in here. Three forty-seven here at Score North. Time for the Score North download. Here's a couple ways you can connect with us over here. Over here at Score North. One way is by downloading the Minnesota Sports Rewind. It's a podcast where Score North personalities go back in time and dive deep into some of the most prominent moments in Minnesota sports history, including the Twins and Tigers Game 163, Twins and A's from the 2002 ALDS, some hoops-related ones, Kevin Love's 30-30 and 30 game, and Kevin Garnett's dominating Game 7 against Sacramento. Again, that's called Minnesota Sports Rewind on scorenorth.com, Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts. Another way to connect is by joining Phil Mackey, Derek Wetmore, Rami Makhlov, Judd Zulgad, and former Minnesota Twin Glenn Perkins for a special recording of the Score North Twin Show, Glenn Perkins on Baseball. That'll be next Tuesday, August 6th, beginning at 5 p.m. for Modest Brewing Company in Minneapolis. All attendees will receive one complimentary beer, courtesy of Modest Brewing Company, and there'll be prize giveaways throughout the night. The event is free, but you still must register to attend. Register right now over at scorenorth.com slash Glenn. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Okay, one final segment here of Purple Daily. Matthew Collar back with you. If you missed any of the show, a lot today. Myron Metcalf, Donald Jones, John Krasinski was in as well. You can go to iTunes and download it. A free show, as we always remind you. And just uh, for a couple minutes here to wrap up the show, Courtney Cronin. Hi. ESPN. Hello, Courtney. How are you? How's your rose gold phone? Um, it's beautiful now. You know what? I had How do you a, not have a case on that sucker? I know. Everyone is asking me that. So I had a case for a long time, and it got to be really messy and gross. Because you had an OtterBox case circa 2011. Uh-huh. Yep. It was uh, the unbreakable case. And so I decided to just take it out. And it's like in great shape. It looks beautiful. And I'm also thinking about getting a new phone. So if I drop this one, like, who cares? Good strategy. Are you thinking I'm living on the edge? Yeah, because I get terrified. I have a case that I'm even not so sure it's completely, like, I feel very vulnerable with this case. So you're one to advocate, and John Krasinski was too, um, Kirk Cousins taking risks and throwing into traffic, (laughs) but you can't even take the risk of having your phone out of its... uh, case there because for, for I've, five sh- I've shattered too many iphones by being careless <laughs> with how many things i have in my hands okay um uh, only for a couple minutes here so we can't debate this for longer which i would love to do really should make an entire podcast out of this uh, yes we should um so let me just get your quick thoughts on the saturday night practice because Ooh. 
It's 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 always a, a, a one date that you circle on the calendar, and I think that they get the skull line out there. They get Victor Viking running around. On they're a in Segway. A, they're in a yes. Don't you remember last year they wouldn't let him in? Oh, I do. Yes, I took the picture, um, and Victor was <laughs> not happy about that. Um, but. I think the competitive level kicks up a little bit when they have the night practice and people love to see the 11 on 11s. And in the past, some guys have shown up in that game and it's really helped their stock. So what are we looking for? Well, I remember last year, the the screen grab that you and I were passing around to each other was of Brian O'Neill getting absolutely welcomed to the NFL by Brian Robison. How he just went boom and slapped his arms down <laughs> yes, and then just yes. literally took his left arm not even like an, a complicated swim move, just moved him aside. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of okay. He's probably not going to be ready to start anytime yep. soon. Granted, he, you know, they, they had to wait until week six for him to become a full time starter. And that kind of gave you the indication back then, about three months removed from that game, that it was going to take a while. So I think that it's those type of things that you're looking for, like who's developed so far in the offseason program, who. Like looks good in shorts, looks good in these type of practices, but then when the pressure's on a little bit more, when you have fans around, it's nighttime, got the lights, the intensity does ramp up a little bit. So I look for things like that. I also remember Chad Beebe, if I'm not mistaken, had a really good practice last year Yeah, um, with uh, the second team offense with uh, Trevor Simeon, who I think on a design rollout hit him in like the corner of that far end zone why am i remembering this This i know this happens to me Um, too sometimes it was either that or off a play action um actually i do think it was a play action to to chad bb but i mean it's chances for guys to stand out where it might be a little bit more difficult like if you're further down the depth chart during like weekly daily practices that if you can do it in a a situation like this maybe then next week you work yourself into reps with a higher team like you know if you're third team right now maybe you're working yourself into second team reps next week yeah it's one of those situations where they change up the look a little bit you know they're going to do a lot of 11 on 11s that night and that's probably why it helps guys stick out so much is Yesterday when we were out of practice, there were a lot of 11-on-11 drills, but there aren't always. It's not every day. They're not just like going at it. So on that night practice, when it's almost the whole thing is 11-on-11, then, yeah, you have opportunities to make plays and show something if you're not necessarily um, standing out so far in training camp. Now, I will say, again, for the I don't know how many of time, not super interested in the backup quarterback battle. However... Let me say this, though. The night practice will give an opportunity for Jake Browning, who has not looked bad in practices with the third-team reps so far. Uh, I mean, I I think under the lights, he's got a chance to make a few plays and push Kyle Sloter for the number 3 spot if there is one on this roster. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, last year we saw they had four quarterbacks in camp at that same time, Um, and I remember Sloter tends to do really well in those type of situations. So are we going to see that same guy who comes alive in pressure situation, or if you want to call it a pressure situation? But even Mike Zimmer said he plays better in games than he does when he practices. So I guess we'll see kind of what he's made of tomorrow. Because uh, I do think the Kyle Sloter narrative, it's dying off. Uh, m- more people have 
gotten on board with that that hey they probably aren't going to keep two quarterback three quarterbacks in this roster anyways um right now it's sean Mannion's job to lose i think jake browning probably has like a puncher's chance i don't think sloter's in that mix at all so maybe this is his chance uh to to try to top browning to try to get back into it a little bit and granted it is one practice and to be clear it's not a scrimmage it's not a game it's a practice. Talk about practice. It is a. I wasn't even trying. Not a, not a game. I wasn't even trying to do that, but <laughs> I kind of walked right into it because it's great. Um, but it's situational stuff. It's two minute drives. It's you know different looks at your off. Different looks at defenses giving your offense. I mean, this is all scripted, so it's a good chance to kind of gauge. Okay. When it is situate, when you are in situation mode in games, how are you going to react? Um, that's what was so great about 11 on 11 on Thursday because they started, you know, back deep in their own red zone and the first team offense stalled around the 38 yard line on the other side of the field. So can the defense keep them out of the end zone? Can the defense play as well as Mike Zimmer wants them to after calling them out. I mean, I think we're going to see those things. Uh, and we'll be able to gauge those a little bit better after Saturday. Okay, real quick before we wrap up for the week, Gary Kubiak said Irv Smith is, quote, swimming, swimming. right now. And Kirk Cousins talked about trying to get him up to speed on offensive stuff. Uh, you and I have both been tight end rookie skeptics uh, yes, when it comes to because the quick- it is not a plug-and-play position, which is what Gary was getting at today. Um, when I asked him just about like what are the why do rookie tight ends have challenges? I mean, think about the workload that Garrett Bradbury is going to have to take on and is already taking on. Well, for rookie tight ends, it's not only just running routes effectively if you're if that's your role is in in the offense. It's it's blocking. It's it's lining up as an H back. It's doing things that you're not necessarily used to. And I asked Kirk about that the other day, and he's saying that like yeah, like it's just. Little things like when he says set hike, like, you know, where, where Irv's feet are. Is he already left the line of scrimmage? Is he, you know, is he staying still? Like, there's a lot of things there that are just simple little details that he's just not up to speed yet. Mm-hmm. It's early in camp, but I do think that this is exactly what people need to expect that it's gonna, it's not gonna be like day one, he's out there having a performance like Adam, like Stefan Diggs did the first game against New Orleans in 2017. That's just not going to happen. Okay, that's it for us for the week. Um, we will have updates on what the night practice looked like. Scorenorth.com, as always, ESPN.com as well, if people don't know where to find your work, Courtney. Um, and we will catch you next week. And then next week, we'll be talking about ramping pre-season up to preseason. Game number one. Yes. All right, we'll catch you then. This has been. Pro- Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. 
And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. And don't forget, Bet Online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts.